0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, a podcast where we examine the texts of worship music being sung by the church. My name is Tyler. I am a PhD student at a large Midwestern university.
1: My name is Colin. I am a history professor at that same university.
0: And what we are going to examine today is a song called Good, Good Father, popularized by Chris Tomlin.
2: You're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are.
0: This song has been widely performed, widely covered. Uh, millions of listens and views. And it was at the number one spot on the Billboard Hot Christian Songs Weekly for seven consecutive weeks. So this is a huge song, and likely most, if not all, of our listeners are already familiar with it, and it's catchy enough that it may already be stuck in your head.
1: Yeah. By the way, that is one either fortunate or unfortunate side effect of doing this podcast. Each week, uh, I find that I have got these songs (laughs) playing through my head.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've sung Waymaker to myself yes, as I'm walking.
1: That I can hardly think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're so unexplainable, you that's can hardly speak. <laughs> that's
1: true. Sometimes that's true.
0: So, yeah. Colin, let's take a look at Good, Good Father. Who or what is this song about?
1: This is definitely a song to a father and presumably to God about his fatherly characteristics. So, it's a song that's sung by an individual, for the most part, although there are a couple of instances where the pronouns change, and it actually goes to the, the, the plural, we and us, rather than I and me and my. The other thing that we learn about God is that he is perfect in all of his ways. This is something that is said a billion times in the song. Uh, uh, And most of the performances of this song that I've seen, a lot of repetition of that idea of God being perfect. But it's essentially a song where the Christian is reminding himself about who God is, and in particular, a father, and who the Christian is, that he's loved by the father.
0: And what attributes of God do you see being praised here?
1: So, the first one is goodness. That's the the obvious and easy one that's being said. And then the other one that's said often is perfection. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting contrast actually because good does not necessarily connotate perfect. Like good could connotate satisfactory, mm-hmm. actually. I, I'm not gonna pick up I'm not gonna pick on the song for doing that because scripture also calls God good. Mm-hmm. Although I got in trouble once in England because I got in the habit of saying quite because they say quite And so, I started a worship service one time by saying, hasn't God been quite good to us? Which, in American English, quite means very, like exceedingly good. But in the traditional British sense, quite means just kind of sort of a little bit. Measured. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I actually was diminishing the word good when I said that, and one of the pastors of that church about had a heart attack. So, you know, fortunately, though, that guy did not die when I said that, but he did have a nice long talk to me afterwards about my grammar. So, we know that God is good. We know that God is perfect. Uh, Again, a lot of repetition. It's who he is, and we know that the person is loved, and that's who he is. And overwhelmingly, this is the message of the song.
2: Stories of they
1: there are some phrases that explain a little bit about that in some of the verses. So we know in from both verses that there are people out there that are either saying things about God that aren't true, that God can then correct because he's a good father, or there are people out there that are trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. who God is, but they don't really know. And really, only God can provide the answers.
0: Yeah, I wanted to actually probe this assertion in particular. Um, There's the first two lines. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased, and that I'm never alone. So certainly, I want to affirm: we are in Christ; we are never alone. He is pleased with us because of Christ. Yeah,
1: all this is true for the Christian.
0: But I, I want to know what these thousand stories are that have been heard, because my suspicion is they're not all false. In fact, what this <laughs> seems to set up to me, the listener, is I can dismiss the thousand stories that I've heard because I heard this one tender whisper in the night.
1: Yes, I heard the subjective. Voice so
0: we don't want I mean obviously there are people who are saying lies about God, you know God hates everyone God's gonna kill everyone we we don't believe that of course we don't believe that um but what if these thousand stories are God has wrath yeah that?
1: or at least or or that God is holy mm-hmm. or
0: that God is righteous and unrighteousness cannot dwell with him right. Uh, these are truths about God and we want to not dismiss them because we heard a whisper in the night, but we want to examine the bedrock of truth, I think, that is housed in the scriptures for determining what's true and what's false.
1: That's true. There's a real emphasis on in this song on that subjective experience mm-hmm. that this person who's singing has not necessarily secret knowledge, but exclusive knowledge and has this knowledge inside of them mm-hmm. provided in a in an intimate i don't know if i quite want to say mystical way but certainly there's a in a subjective way and that seems to be the main vehicle by which this person has come to know that god is a good good father mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly
0: that, he is a good good father yeah
1: he is mm-hmm.
0: so who is the song for colin
1: even when the singer is saying things about god he seems to be reassuring himself that the things that he's heard whispered to him in the night are true. I'm pleased. Right. You are never alone. Exactly. So it seems to be a song where the person is assuring themselves of these various aspects of God and just kind of in a, in a, re- in a very repetitive, almost uh mantric. Mm. Is that a word? Mantric. The person is repeating mantras almost in the song.
0: Which is what you do when you're reassuring yourself of something Absolutely, that you're not I'm, certain
1: of. This is not, a critical, this is not a critical observation yet. It is simply saying that the song uses repetition and emphasizes the subjective voice and is is in many ways describing a person speaking to themselves. And again, let me just say that is a good thing to do. I don't remember who said it, we should preach the gospel to ourselves. That is that is so true. That is what we're doing when we read scripture. In many ways, that is what we're doing when we pray. Mm-hmm. We're praying to God, but we're also, even the act of praying is an act of assurance where we're telling ourselves, God is listening to me, God hears me. The psalms are full of David or another psalmist giving themselves assurance. David will say something to his soul, mm-hmm. my soul right uh, and and or my heart is steadfast oh god like he's 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 telling himself something about himself
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, that is this is not a criticism of the song per se mm-hmm. uh, to say that it's a song that really aims to assure the worshiper i will say though the source of the knowledge that the person is using to assure themselves is this subjective experience, which those can be good, those can be bad. And again, as you point out, it really depends on what the thousand stories are that have been heard, whether those are true or not. Some of them are true or some of them aren't. We don't know. Presumably, the author is saying that they're false. Mm -hmm. But we don't know what makes them false.
0: That's what the conjunction but implies. When you say, I've heard this, but I've also heard this. Okay, so we have to interpret that as at least a... A contradiction um it doesn't necessarily nullify what came before it but it, it definitely contradicts it so the aim is toward reassurance uh it's directed toward God um, by an individual uh, what actions are taken in this song in the text of this song not yeah. necessarily in the performance of but it I
2: heard the tender whisper of love mm. Yeah,
1: so some of the actions are taken by the individual, like the person is hearing stories and then the person is hearing whispers. God is telling the person various assurances that God is pleased with the person and that the person isn't alone. And then there are uh, verbs of being. So, you are this. God, you are this. You are perfect. You are good. It's who you are and who I am. And then there are other actions in the second verse uh, that are taken by just a broader group of people whether these are the people that are telling stories or not there these are there are there are people searching and in fact we are all searching we're told for answers that only God provides and it doesn't say that God can provide but that God does provide and i thought that's a very strong a much stronger statement than there could have been a temptation to leave it as an open possibility that God might provide the answers. But no, he does. He right. provides them.
0: So are these actions that you see in this song, are they consistent with the gospel?
1: Some of them are consistent with the gospel, and some of them are are quite clear, or at least are close enough to Scripture that we can say there's an anchor there. So, for example, we have... So, we have, for example, in the bridge, the idea that God's love is so undeniable that the person can barely speak. In
2: Psalm 106, verse
1: 2, we read, Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? So, the deeds of the lord according to the psalmist are so mighty that it's it's questionable as to who could actually speak them and who could actually declare them and there's a real similarity in the way this song says that god's love is undeniable and that leads to the person being unable to speak and there is a difference there too though because the person is the person Seems to be describing a kind of feeling of love that mm. leads to speechlessness, mm-hmm. like the, like of being speechless. Whereas I think the psalm is saying, God's deeds are so great that mm. you couldn't like count them. You couldn't. Yeah,
0: they're too numerous. Yeah.
1: Mm. So there is a slight difference there, but, but you can see where there's kind of a, uh, connection the one that's most strong I think is the line that's repeated a lot you are perfect in all your ways there's there are plenty of examples of scripture talking about God's perfection one particularly notable one is in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 and this is when Moses has just finished giving the law and he sings a song before he or it might be right after he like passes the baton to Mm -hmm. Joshua and he sings a song. And in verse four of the song, he says, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So Moses speaks of God's perfection in a few different ways. Mm -hmm. There are some sentiments that I really struggled to find in scripture. So, it's true that on, that only God provides those answers, but it's not true that everyone is searching for answers. And I saw this, again, growing up in the 80s and 90s, there was a presumption that everybody out there was just kind of looking for something and that we, we have- Seekers. It. Yeah, seekers. That there are seekers out there. That everybody is a seeker. And yeah. I don't think the Bible says that that's true. In fact, if anything, we're runners from knowledge. Like we're doing everything we can to avoid true knowledge of God.
0: And postmodern people aren't necessarily seeking much of anything. No, pretty. They're really denying
1: it in a lot of ways. Right? Mm. Again, running from it. Mm. They're they're postmodern. They're right. They're rejecting and reacting to modern modernity uh, and modern concepts of objective or absolute Mm. truth. So yeah, if anything people are are running from answers mm-hmm. uh, or denying answers. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't think the disposition that everyone out there's seeking. Now I understand the author's I think just trying to be poetic. He's really trying to set up that God is the the answer. So you can maybe forgive him a little bit, but it is it's a it's it's imprecise, at least to say this.
0: Colin, can I ask you a question about one of the um, lines that you've mentioned, the perfection of God? You are perfect in all of your ways. Um, Surely we affirm that God is perfect, but what do you think the to us is doing at the end of that refrain?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. And it seems like an almost postmodern idea there that there's perfection, there's truth, but it's our truth. it's mm-hmm. our it's the perfection to us. It could be taken to mean perfection relative to what we think perfection is, but it could all too can also mean toward his perfection comes to us. His perfection is given to us, mm-hmm. kind of thing. like you use the dative case to talk about gifts that are given, for example. so, to us, it just depends on what's happening with two. Yeah. Like relative to us or towards us. What do you think? You're a linguist, Tyler. You sh- you might have some thoughts about this.
0: So I actually found this line kind of controversial, which you might be surprised by. You are perfect in all of your ways because God, God is perfection, right? We ascribe mm-hmm. perfection to him. Um, and I wasn't sure where to bracket to us, meaning I wasn't sure— Which word it was attached to? Is it, as you were saying, you are perfect to us? Meaning we see you and Uh. we see you as perfect, but the other people, they just don't see it. Or is it um, in your ways to us? Are you perfect? In which you you have always acted in a perfect way toward us. That is true. Um, The former is just subjectivism. The latter is the ways in which he has acted toward us is true, but it's also missing a bigger truth, and that is he is perfect himself, and all of his ways are perfect, which is a better way of summing that up. And That's not really my gripe. My gripe with this line is it's not clear to me that the first two iterations of you are perfect in all of your ways are not merely repetitions to get to this predicate
1: uh, to us, so I, see.
0: I I wish I had a better example, but in um, "Never Gonna Give You Up" by Rick Astley, he says okay. "Never gonna give, never gonna give," and it yes. the "you up" is implied; it comes later. Um, and so I wasn't sure if not just "Your perfect and all of your ways" stands independently of "to us" as in as a phrase, yeah. and then a repetition, and then a third time with this suff or not suffix, but a third time with this um, prepositional phrase added to it. Instead, I wondered if it was beginning, repeated beginning, repeated beginning again, and finally the conclusion to that. Right. And so if that's the case, I really do have issue yeah. with this line. But yeah. because it's so uh, – because it is not written in the clearest of ways, I can't say what was implied here. Um, we don't affirm subjectivism, that God is good to me. He's kind of good to you. He might be good to some other people, but other mm-hmm. people might think that that thing is good. Uh, yeah. We don't affirm that. We do affirm that he is good to us in all of his ways, and that all of his ways toward us have been perfect. That's scriptural. Um, but that, even if true, misses the bigger truth that God is perfection and yeah. all of his ways, not just toward us, but toward everyone, he, he, are he always de- perfect.
1: He defines he defines what perfect is. Yeah,
0: and goodness as well, it's which who is also is.
1: missing. It's here. who he is. <laughs>
0: peace so
2: unexplainable, I, I can hardly think I- the
1: other line of course that is perhaps uh, not unexpectedly controversial is the line peace so unexplainable I can hardly think
0: Colin what peace is unexplainable to the point that you can hardly think
1: I mean there is the peace of God that passes all understanding. At the same time there's a difference between not being able to understand something and not being able to think. So in not being able to understand something, you you may try to comprehend it or his ways are so high mm-hmm. above our ways that we can't grasp them. Thinking to me describes cognition. Cognition and the rational, you know, the rational, the thing that elevates us above animals is is thinking. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to have preferences and to take action based on the rankings of those preferences. Like, like animals only act on various instincts and they, they behave, they can't act, whereas humans can act. So, this was the great insight, by the way, of the economist Ludwig von Mises, who's, who made this argument in his book, Human Action. Anyway, that's an aside. Thinking describes that cognition. Mm-hmm. And so, I see a difference here in not being able to think as opposed to peace that passes all understanding.
0: Mm -hmm. I I see the point that you're making. I would agree with you, implying that something that surpasses understanding is the same as not thinking at all is errant, I think.
1: Um, And when we use the phrase, I can hardly think, we're like describing being overwhelmed with something. Or like, overdosed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we're either yeah, on drugs or or on you know, or we're drunk or we're uh overwhelmed with emotion. You know, in other words, some, it's it's a it's the idea of being diminished in some way. Like if we can't think there's something wrong with us.
0: Whereas in Philippians, when that is stated, what's implied is that we think, we can think to the best of our abilities, but yep. he is so great that's that right. we could never search yes. it to its depths. It doesn't
1: diminish us. It elevates and magnifies the greatness and otherness of God. Amen. So that's the difference. And we do see the idea that God is, in many ways, beyond our understanding in Scripture. So there's a whole treatise on it in Romans. We all, uh I forget which chapter. Um, there's also a bit on it in Job, chapter 11, verse 7. Can you find out the deep? Things of God, can you find out the limit of the Almighty? And of course, the implication of the questions are mm-hmm. is, is no, you can't. You can't find that out. You can't know that. You could be the smartest human being alive, the most rational human being alive, as well. because being smart and being rational are are different things, and you could not comprehend the mind of God and the things that that He's done mm-hmm. fully. Whereas I don't think Scripture encourages us to to not even think. In fact, if anything. We're told uh, by Jesus in three out of the four Gospels that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We need to love him with our intellect, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the Mm -hmm. way that we—with our thinking. We are to meditate on the things of God and to be utterly blown away Mm -hmm. by them. The thing I don't like about that line as well in context is— in a song which is repeating things over and over and over and over again. And this is often a sign of an attempt to, if not generate a mystical experience, at least put the worshiper in a state of accepting what's being said. And that in and of itself is a context in which a person could be overwhelmed and not thinking, and and, and that in an unhealthy way. So that line, I can hardly think, bothers me in the context of a song which is doing all of this repetition.
0: Because it's repeating
1: simple things? Because it is repeating the same phrases over and over and over again.
0: You think it's actually actively discouraging thought?
1: What I'm saying is that In in any context, whether it's a church, whether it's a religious context or not, a political context, an advertising context, when something is repeated over and over and over again, that is often a manipulative tactic to get you to remember something or to accept something as true. Mm -hmm. Like, there's this famous proverb, you know, you repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. Mm -hmm. Because that's... that. That is that is the case. That is what, like, propagandists have used that forever. In church settings or, like, worship experience settings, it's not surprising that the songs are super long and super repetitive. Now, sometimes that is explicitly to generate a kind of mystical experience. I can't say that that's the case with this song, but this song does have the repetition. It has that element. And what that repetition does is disarm our rationality. Mm -hmm. So I just don't like in a song which is doing the repetitive thing, I don't like to see the song also trying to get people to say with their mouths that they can't think. I see. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You have a limited amount of cognitive resources at any given time. And if you keep repeating the same thing, ultimately, you're going to stop paying attention to that thing, and it'll go on autopilot. And the
1: song's asking you to deliberately affirm that you you're so overwhelmed that you can't think mm-hmm. and yes it says that you're you're so overwhelmed by the peace of God but in reality when you're do when you're actually singing this song you're really being overwhelmed by the repetition mm-hmm. and the music mm-hmm. more than the the objective truth in the song now if there's a lot of objective truth in the song I think that changes the way I think about that are mm-hmm.
2: good, good who you are, it's who you are.
0: So Colin, what would you say about the clarity and consistency and coherence of this song?
1: There are some clear images in the song, that of God being a father, very clear, and is being said over and over again. There is, there's a sense of clarity, or at least logic, to, I've heard a bunch of stuff about God, but it's not true because I've heard from God himself and he's told me these true things. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, there's clarity. We don't really know what, I mean, we do know what God tells him. It's that God is a good father and that the person is loved by God. But it seems to me that that's about it. Mm-hmm. So that very simple... And kind of overgeneralized ideas, clear, but it's not expounded upon or explained, in my view, in a way that is sufficient.
0: I have a question for you. How did you determine that the Father was God?
1: The main way would just be based on the attribute of perfection. But I know that God is perfect. So therefore, when this person is singing of a Father, I'm thinking, oh, this is talking about this is talking about God, but I am doing that work. So there, there isn't anywhere in the song where where God is actually named. So, but it it is it does seem to me that perfection is not something we would say of an earthly father.
0: Yes, except that this is precisely the line that I took to issue us. with before, where the "to us" yeah. might be subjectivism.
1: Yes, okay, and in in that sense, you could imagine somebody saying it like at their father's funeral or something. He wasn't perfect, but he was perfect to us. So, yeah, I guess even there, even there, maybe it's a stretch.
0: I don't want to be too critical of it, but I do think that the objection holds. You've already said he's not explicitly named. We can infer him from perfection, except perfection is worded in such a way in the song as to be ambiguous as to how it's being perceived. Colin, what would you say in conclusion, looking at this song?
1: It's a song that has some allusions that clearly reference scripture, but it doesn't go into much detail. It has a few phrases that are problematic and troubling, especially as we continue to drift into full-blown mainstream postmodernism. There are enough troubling elements in the song that... I think we would have to be very careful about singing it, certainly in a congregational setting. Potentially, if some of those allusions were really brought into a a time of explanation or a preface to the song, it's possible that a person could get away with singing it. But there are some elements in this song that make me hesitate to recommend it as a good song for a worship setting. What do you think?
0: I would say this is a song which is meant to present very heartfelt praise of God and praising specifically his goodness. And we see goodness throughout the Psalms, but unlike in this song, it's often tied to actions. It is, of course, an attribute of God, but it's tied to specific good things he does or to his goodness in particular. So, uh, for example, Psalm 107 Says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. But the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. This gives an example of God's goodness, his steadfast love being tied to his redemption, and as you mentioned, that's not clearly uh, extrapolated in, in this song. Mm-hmm. What score would you give this on a one to five scale?
1: I couldn't come up with something that innovative. I give it two out of five repeated bridges.
0: Nice. I came in ready to give it a one out of five, but I think after our conversation, I've softened a little bit. I'm going to give it a two out of five celebrity worship superstars.
1: Excellent. Okay. So if people aren't going to sing Good Good Father, do you have recommendations for songs that they might sing instead?
0: Yes, I do. Um, If I wanted a song that touched on God's perfection, like Good Good Father does, you're perfect in all of your ways, I would point people to Holy, Holy, Holy. Mm. Um, Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee, and then later on, Holy, 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 there is none beside the perfect in power and love and purity. This song also touches on some other attributes, so What would you recommend, Colin? I was
1: thinking about this song's emphasis on God as Father and how that provides an identity for the worshiper as a kind of son. So I was thinking a lot about adoption and God's role as Father. So two songs that reference that. One you may or may not have heard of. It's a Sovereign Grace song called You Made Us Your Own, which is a song about adoption. So you have loved us like you love your son— we are heirs with Christ, bought by his blood. Oh. Oh, oh, how great the love that we've been shown. We're children now, you've made us your own. And the song in the verses gives detail to that, although that already is somewhat detailed, but this, the verses give more detail to how God accomplishes adoption and what the benefits of adoption are. Another song that I think is probably obvious that we should discuss as a alternative to good, good father is how deep the father's love for us, because it quantifies what God has done as a father in, in giving us Christ and bringing us in through Christ so that we don't become adopted on any boast that we have or any merit that we have, but we are in God's family and he's our father because mm. of what Christ did. That's a good point. It's interesting that the song actually is called How Deep the Father's Love for Us, because the song references both God as Father of Christ and God as Father of us as well.
0: I had not thought of that before, Colin. I was treating the Father as proper noun for for God. How do you know it's also talking about him as Christ's Father?
1: That he should give his only son Hmm, to make a wretch his treasure. Father gives the son but then he makes the wretch his treasure and again presumably we're not just talking about a treasure like an, an object but we're talking about a treasured person. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, even in the the line the father turned his face away, we we see obviously God the father um turning his face away, if you will. But we also see a, a father turning his face away from his son.
1: That's right. To bring many sons mm-hmm. to glory. So Beautiful. We need to do this We need to do this song, yeah. We need to do this song. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to
0: say. Um, One thing I like about the songs that you've recommended, Colin, is that they're praising uh, God the Father specifically, just like Good Good Father is meant to do. I I recommended Holy, 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 but that's a triune praise song. Hmm. Um, One song that I would like to sing if I were in the position of a worship leader and I were asked to sing a song praising the love of... Of the Father and the goodness of the Father, like this song does, would be thy mercy, my God, actually. Because we have this stanza near the end Great Father of mercies, thy goodness I own, and the covenant love of thy crucified Son, all praise to the Spirit whose action divine seals mercy and pardon and righteousness mine. So we, we see God as the Father of mercies expressed in the covenant love of his crucified Son.
1: There's an alternative version of that song which says, "All praise to the Spirit whose whisper divine." Yes, there's there's a lot of versions.
0: It originally was action, and then it was it was changed in about a century later in the 1800s to witness the Spirit's witness divine, which I still like. And now it's whisper divine. I would love to know who was offended by the witness and wanted it or action and wanted to be whisper.
1: I wonder what's going on there. Hmm. Good questions. Yes, maybe someday Uh, we can research them.
0: We should, definitely. So, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Worship Review, and we hope to catch you on the next one.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchorfm slash the worship review and patreon.com slash the worship review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.